Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo. I am Dramos, of course. First and foremost, man, let me let me just apologize for leaving y'all hanging last week. Um, I felt like I was on my deathbed. I was sick. If you don't follow me on Instagram, uh, you might have been wondering what the fuck happened to the show this last week. But I was pretty sick. Thankfully, not COVID. It was like a, a bad sinus infection or, or strep throat. Either way, I didn't have a voice. I was just coughing up nasty stuff and my throat was just absolutely killing me. So obviously, I was in no condition to uh, record a podcast, and it would just sounded absolutely terrible had I have. But we back. Um, not necessarily a hundred percent just yet. You might hear my voice being a little bit nasally. I'm still a little bit congested, but feeling good enough to put out this episode. And I'm I'm really excited about this particular episode. So I actually recorded the interview for this uh, at the very end of last week because I just didn't want to miss out on it. I've been trying to get this person on the show for a minute. So I apologize if my voice sounds a little shitty at, at times. But my guest uh, for today's show is going to be Carmen Perez, who is the president and chief executive officer of the Gathering for Justice, which I'll allow her to to explain exactly what they do. But they're just uh, an incredible organization that advocates for social justice and, and you know, incarcerated individuals and and all types of different things. You know, they were involved um with the Colin Kaepernick Know Your Rights campaign. They've been involved in a bunch of different things. It was founded by Harry Belafonte. Anybody who watched The Breakfast Club, if you were a fan of The Breakfast Club, this was our first ever Change for Change. We raised $700,000 for this organization. So they do a lot of incredible work, and I'll allow Carmen to kind of elaborate on that a bit more when she hops on. But I wanted to to tap her for a very particular topic, and and one that is just, in my opinion, not spoken about enough. And that is Latinos in this country and the sort of disproportionate man killing at the hands of police and also targeting by police and, and why we don't hear about so many of these cases that happen or when we do, they don't seem to get quite the attention that they deserve. And, and there's so many things that are tied into that. You know, why hasn't our community kind of come together in the same way that our black brothers and sisters have with movements like Black Lives Matter? And I want to get somebody who is actively doing the the work to give me her professional perspective as to what is going on. You know, she is somebody who's boots on the ground. This is what she does day in and day out. So I want to hear from her. 
you know, it, is this as big of an issue as I, I assume it is? I mean, I'm reading a lot of articles on, um, you know, how they feel. there's a lot of speculation of the underreporting of Latinos in this country and as far as their, their treatment by the hands of police. And you'll also hear me reference a particular story that I think really opened my eyes to this uh, last year when I was interviewing um, the Monterosa sisters, uh, the sisters of Sean Monterosa, who was was a, a young, young man killed at the hands of police, a Latin young man killed at the hands of police in California. And I'll elaborate on that further in the, the show with uh, with Carmen. But uh, just to give some context, you know, I interviewed them about their brother's story for my uh, my TV show on L.A. TV. And it was just appalling to me that I hadn't even heard about this particular story. And when you hear the details of it, it really is just incredibly egregious. You know, there's no sort of way you can reshape it as a, as the police officer that, that killed him tried to do. You know, it was just a heinous murder and we barely heard about it, you know, at least on a national level. So I want to dive into all that kind of stuff. And, and for this show, it just didn't feel appropriate to necessarily have the Ask a Gringo segment. I just I just wanted this to kind of live and, and let the conversation I have with Carmen live because I felt it was very powerful. So we won't have that for this episode. Uh, before that, though, we will do our deep dive as we normally do it. I'm just going to quickly kind of reference an article that I found in the Washington Post that, that really talks about this a bit. And then I want to kind of just be able to get quickly into the conversation with Carmen because somebody, again, we've been emailing back and forth for months and just scheduling wise, haven't been able to make this happen. So I'm really, really excited uh, to have her finally on the show and and hear her her, her perspective on everything and, and, you know, to put everybody, including myself, on, on some, some game and some information that, uh, you know, maybe isn't out there or we're not all keen to. With that said, let's keep it moving. We'll do our deep dive right now in a segment we call for the people in the back. Say it louder for the people in the back. Okay, so like I said, I don't want to drag this out too much. I think the most important part of today's show is the actual conversation with Carmen Perez of Gathering for Justice. But I do want to reference an article that I had had been reading that I found from June of, of last year. And it was a Washington Post article. And the, the title is uh, Latinos are disproportionately killed by police, but often left out of the debate about brutality. Some advocates say not the catchiest title, but. Shout out to Sylvia Foster Frau for, for writing this article. They, they reference a story of a woman who, whose son was, was sadly murdered by police, a Latin woman whose son was, was murdered by police in Los Angeles. And obviously, it's heartbreaking when you, you hear about all this stuff. Like I said, when I interviewed Sean uh, Monterosa's sisters, I, I was just touched and moved hearing this firsthand experience from them. I'll, uh, I'll put the link in, in the show notes uh, if you want to check out that interview. It's up on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's really just moving. I, I would suggest, you know, checking that out. But as far as this article goes, I just want to pull a couple excerpts that, that they're saying here. Now, um, Ernie Serrano is the, the, the man that was killed in Los Angeles that I just referenced. And in this article, one of the things I pulled from it was uh, they said Serrano's death did not get much attention beyond the local news. But in a review of databases that track police killings shows that while their cases have largely gone untold in the national discussion of police violence, Latinos are killed by police at nearly double the rate of white Americans. And while the national debate on police killings has focused on black Americans whose deaths at the hands of law enforcement have been high profile and outnumber those of other people of color, some activists say the situation for the Latino community has become critical. And I, I quickly want to preface this by saying this isn't one of these fucking conversations of like, you know, we want attention or we want to take away from the attention that the, the African-American community has, has brought on, on an issue that is, you know, obviously something they're struggling with. I don't want that to be the narrative. That's not what the point is. This is this is just raising the my hand and saying like, hey, that definitely is a gigantic issue. And also, we're experiencing a very similar issue that that needs to be tended to. And we as as Latinos, we as, as black and brown people need to be aware of, of all that's happening and all that's affecting us. And to me, it only strengthens the idea that we need drastic police reform in this country, you know, it definitely doesn't weaken all the work that that organizations or, or people, you know, using the words Black Lives Matter have done all the protesting and all that. It uh, to me, it only adds to the idea like, man, if it's not just a problem with one community, but another second, you know, marginalized community is experiencing the same exact problem. Like this idea of police brutality is far bigger and more egregious than we even thought it was. And to me, that's how we have to be looking at this. 
Now, back to the article, they, they go on to say it's a crisis in the same manner as it's a crisis in the black community. Chances are if anybody is going to get killed, they're going to be black or brown, said Roberto Rodriguez, a professor at the University of Arizona who researches police brutality and was a victim himself in the late 70s. And I'll read a couple more excerpts from from this article that I just found to be super fascinating just to kind of set the, the stage for the conversation with Carmen. But in this article, experts kind of cite several reasons why the Latino community has often been left out of the debate about policing and reform. Carmen touches on, on a couple of very specific ones that they mentioned. One that I also want to touch on here is they talk about kind of the viewpoint of Americans when they view, you know, what is the primary concerns of Latinos in this country. And they talk about immigration is viewed as the primary concern. They also say the lack of a standardized system for reporting police killings means that Latino victims are often categorized as black or white, which is something Carmen and I will uh, get into as well. But in the article, of course, they say Latinos as a group include a variety of cultures with different lived experiences. And and as beautiful as our diversity is of, of, of as far as our culture goes, I think when it comes to things like this, when you talk about the statistics and all that, it sort of holds us back from being a part of the conversation, unfortunately. And Roberto Rodriguez goes on to say in this article, I think society has this notion that police violence is a black and white issue, and it's not for Latinos. It's kind of like, quote, that's not your issue. Your issue is immigration. But the number of Latinos killed by police is off the charts, he said. And I'll throw some statistics here. They say since 2015, at least 1,059 Latinos have been fatally shot by police. And this is a, according to a Washington Post database that tracks police shootings. They talk about in cities like Chicago and Minneapolis, Latinos are killed at six times the rate of white people. They talk about um, that in the same database, which is mapping police violence. They say Latinos are killed at a disproportionately higher rate compared with whites in 24 of the nation's 50 cities. So half the country, essentially. And uh, the last thing I'll quickly touch on is they talk about how occasionally the case of a Latino killing will land in the national spotlight. And they cite Adam Toledo, who... uh, March of last year was fatally shot by a Chicago police officer. But many are quick to to point out that part of the reason that Adam Toledo got the widespread media attention that he did was because of his age. He was 13 years old. And it was also during the murder trial for for Derek Chauvin, who, of course, uh, murdered George Floyd. And actually, the last thing I'll I'll pull from from this article, and then we'll kind of get into our conversation with Carmen was um, this quote from Leonard Gonzalez, who's a, a national vice chair and the former California chair of the League of United Latin American Citizens Civil Rights Committee, which is a mouthful. But the quote he said is, uh, everything in criminal justice seems to revolve around African-American mistreatment, and rightfully so. But we also have a story to tell and a similar experience. And I don't think we're getting enough coverage. And I think that's a perfect way to say it, at least for, for how I feel. I think that rightfully so, Black people in this country are having the spotlight put on the injustices that they've been suffering for decades at the hands of police. But at the same time, there is also an issue in our community and it needs to be spoken about. It needs to be covered and it needs to be dealt with and taken seriously, which is, you know, the big reason why I wanted to have a conversation like this. You know, Carmen wasn't just a random guest that I came across. It was somebody that I've been actively trying to get to have this conversation because I felt like this is something so important that unfortunately, many of our platforms are not speaking about. So as somebody with a platform, regardless of size, I want to make sure that I do my part to to spread this information out there. So we'll do that, of course, with our conversation with Carmen Perez, who once again is ahead of Gathering for Justice. But first, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. All right, so as promised, I'm very excited about about this week's guest. Uh, I feel like we've been connected in a few ways, sort of indirectly. Uh, As I mentioned, she's just an incredible activist and president and chief executive officer of the Gathering for Justice. Carmen Perez, how you feeling? What's going on? (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Like I said, I think we've been connected indirectly. First and foremost, with The Breakfast Club was, I think, the first uh, kind of, I guess, iteration of that. I know uh, Gathering for Justice was a part of our first ever Change for Change that we did where we raised uh, money for for different causes. So um, that was a, a really exciting time. I know for me personally, that was the first time this organization was put onto my radar. So I think for anybody who's not familiar, let's just kind of start there first and foremost in your own words. You know, what exactly does the, the Gathering for Justice do? What is the work that you guys are, are working so incredibly hard on? Of course. Well, thank you so much again for having me. Um, It's such an honor to be here. The Gathering for Justice is an intergenerational, intercultural social justice organization. Um, We really use the wisdom of the elders and really kind of use our strength as young people to continue the movement, whether it's in stopping child incarceration, stopping police brutality. Um, You know, we have two task force. One is Justice League New York City. Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as Justice League California, um, we come together like Voltron mm-hmm. and we really try to highlight the ills of society by providing solutions. And so we have different activations. One is the three-day juvenile justice conference called Growing Up Lockdown, mm-hmm. where we bring people who are directly impacted by the issue, as well as direct service providers, uh, legislators, as well as artists, mm-hmm. um, to talk about solutions and how we could change the la- landscape of the criminal justice system. And then we have our rapid ris- uh, response arm, which you see often is Justice League California, Justice League New York City. Mm-hmm. We worked on campaigns like Free Meek Mill. Mm-hmm. We worked on um, Take a Knee with Colin Kaepernick, Free Pedro Hernandez. But more importantly, we've seen and have been able to champion change when it ha- uh, happens to be around the, the work we do on police accountability. In California, you've seen us uh, marching and protesting and getting arrested with the Monterosa sisters yes. and really wrapping our arms around those uh, young women, mm-hmm. but particularly the family on how to navigate uh, this community um, that we call a police accountability community. Yeah, and th- th- I'm glad you mentioned that because actually that's where I want to start because that's the other connection uh you know where you've kind of been in my orbit where i, I interviewed the the Monterosa sisters for my my television show and i was just so so struck by the the story you know i think it's it's one thing to kind of read about it online or whatever but it's another thing to actually hear the people that it's directly affected and hear it from from their mouths you know and it really was something that struck me um and then also aggravated me because i feel like the lack of just awareness that there was you know what i mean i can only speak to being in the New York City area, but it definitely wasn't something that 
I know was on a lot of people's radar, you know, at least uh, on, a, on a national level. And for anybody who's not familiar, you know, Sean Monterosa was a, a 22-year-old Lat- Latino man who was uh, shot in June of 2020, fatally shot by a Vallejo police officer. Um, and, and it's just egregious when you hear the details of it that, you know, he was on his knees with his hands above his waist and that a police officer shot him through the windshield of an unmarked uh, police pickup truck. And it's ba- it was back in the news this last month where you had that police officer was finally uh, fired, essentially, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I mean, let, let's talk about, I guess, this story as a whole, but also I think why stories like this do not get the attention that they, they definitely deserve. You know, I think you're um, you're so right. It's what I've been trying to call attention to for over two decades. Mm. Um, the fact that Latinos are overpopulated in our criminal justice system mm-hmm. and Latinos are also being killed at high rates by police um, and police are not being held accountable. Yeah. And so I'll talk about that a little later. But in regards to the Monterosa, um, Sean Monterosa case, I reached out to the sisters um, on social media. It's not really something that I do, mm-hmm. uh, but I felt compelled to as somebody who's been in this field for over a decade, um, really working with families like Eric Garner's family mm-hmm. or even uh, Freddie Gray's family, um, Pedro Hernandez's family, you know, to not support a, a family who also was Latino mm-hmm. um, was something that was, you know, kind of tugging at my heart. And so I reached out to them, you know, um, and I interacted with Michelle who gave me her number. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I took the wrong number down. And so it <laughs> took about a month for us to connect. Sure. And from that moment, I just spoke to them and I said, look, I'm here to support you at whatever capacity I can. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily on the front lines in the streets, but I could wrap my arms around you with my organization. So the mm-hmm. Gathering for Justice has worked closely with the Monterosa family for over, uh, I think it's a year and a half since 2020, mm-hmm. um, uh, to help them get justice for Sean. So yeah, I reached out to to the sisters um, and we've been working with them ever since. And for me, I was so um, angry at the Mm -hmm. way in which Sean was killed. Um, You know, as you mentioned, he was on his knees with his hands up uh, when Vallejo uh, police officer, Jarrett Ton shot from the backseat of his car Mm -hmm. um, in an actual moving vehicle. And so this is the police equivalent of a drive-by shooting, right? Like for a young man to be on his knees um, and to have an officer who is storming in um, with a shotgun, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Is, is really, there's no way officer Ton, right. Mm Could have felt threat at any point um, entering, um, especially from the backseat of a moving car. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, also the officer was involved with three other shootings uh, prior to Sean and mm-hmm. the Vallejo police department is the highest uh, has the highest rate of shootings um, in Northern California. And so we really were trying to support the sisters by helping them develop talking points mm-hmm. by just kind of building with them, getting to learn what justice looked like for them and their sure. family. But, you know, they were sharp. As yeah. you know, you had them on your show. These yeah. two young women are super sharp. Um, you know, we just kind of helped them brush up their skills. My husband and I wrote an op-ed mm-hmm. um, for them and, you know, really got the attention of uh, Becerra, Attorney General Becerra, who mm-hmm. who, um, who at the time was in office but didn't do anything, right? Um, right. And then we also kind of put in the in the op-ed that they were, you know, hoping that um, Rob Bonta would get the AG position. And so he did. Mm-hmm. And we've had several demands that have been met over the past year. As you know, there was a, an arrest in front of the governor's house. Mm. They also had um, the one year anniversary or the second year anniversary um, of Toucan's weekend where they were uh, bringing families together for, for a lunch and mm-hmm. a brunch. But, um, you know, we do what we can and we we provide not just a space where we try to help them develop their talking points or uh, develop these actions and help raise money around that. But we also have been trying to be a place of like solitude and sure. healing. And so for two months, they were here in New York and mm-hmm. I made them stop. <laughs> I was like, y'all need to stop. Yeah. Y'all need to meditate. Y'all need to read. Um, yeah. You're never going to get these years back. I know you want to get justice for your brother, but you need to be able to think clearly. 
Right. And so, you know, we can't do that for every family, but we sure. certainly do what we can. And it's been, uh, they've been a blessing in our lives and, and the gathering has done a significant amount of work uh, with them as well as, you know, another organization that works with them is um, California's for Safety and Justice. Right. And so um, really trying to collaborate and, and make sure that these young people are Mm -hmm. um, receiving the support that they need. But to your point, you know, um, as, as many people should know, there's not enough data when it comes to Latinos being killed at the hands of police. Um, Latinos are often categorized as either black or uh, white or other. In the case of Sean Monterosa, he was categorized as black. Mm -hmm. And so when you don't have the data, right, you're not able to tell the story. And if you're not able to, tell the story, you're not able to bring national attention to it. Right, and so it was right. the reason why I felt uh, compelled to reach out to them and to support them. And I'm just happy that they answered the call. Yeah. I, and you're, you're hitting on a lot of really great things because we actually, we saw there was that um, a story that came out from Louisiana recently that you had these cops that were labeling Latino drivers as white in order to hide their bias essentially. Right. And, and that broke um, and then it makes you wonder, wait, how much of this type of shit is happening around the country on a regular basis? And we're not aware of it. And the numbers aren't truly reflecting, you know, like you said, the data is not truly reflecting the issues um, that are, are pl- kind of plaguing our community right now. Um, I mean, I guess for me, what, what I, I think the the biggest thing that anybody would ask is, why does it take this much work for justice to be served? I mean, we're talking about over a year for them to do this investigation into what happened with that police officer and then that just for him to be terminated i mean if it were you or i who shot somebody out of a moving vehicle you know we wouldn't be having a year and a half to kind of enjoy our life and freedom you know while people are suffering so what is the the disconnect and why does it take so much work to you know for people to be held accountable i mean it's because police officers um cover up for each other Right. Um, you know, in a work environment, I, I grew up playing basketball. So okay. my coach always taught me you're only as good as your weakest link. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you ain't got somebody on the team that if you got somebody on the team that's dragging you down and, and right. your goal is to win championships, what do you do? You either get rid of that person that mm-hmm. is dragging you down. Law enforcement doesn't do that. Right. Yeah. What happens is that there's a lot of law enforcement it's also, you know, one of the things that officers say is that they felt threatened, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of Officer Tan, he felt threatened by Sean's, mm. uh, uh, you know, we're we're about to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Trayvon Martin being killed. I mean, George mm. Z- Zimmerman felt threatened. Right, right, right. You didn't see him being held accountable for his actions. Right. Um, as, as somebody who is a German Latino, right? Mm-hmm. Um but for the most part, is because we don't have a system, we don't have a mechanism in mm. order to hold police accountable. And that's what we're trying to do, right? Mm. We're trying to change some of the laws. We know that SB2 went into effect in California. This is where, you know, officers, um, if they have some priors, you know, we'll be able to capture that data. But mm-hmm. we don't have a Latinx or Latino Latina movement when it comes to police accountability, right? Right. Um, right. What we have to begin to understand, you know, you talked about being New Yorican mm-hmm. or your father reminding you of being New Yorican. I'm Chicana. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I am Chicana. My father was born here. My grandparents were born here, but I'm right. also Mexican-American on my mother's side. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we have to realize is that police violence is also a Latinx issue, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to use Latinx for the context of this conversation. Sure. I know some people still prefer to be called Latino or right. Latina or Chicano, Chicana, whatever, uh, but just in sure. For the purpose of this conversation, we don't see police violence or criminal justice as our issue. That mm-hmm. has a lot to do the way in which the media spins things. And even philanthropy, mm. they silo us in issues. They silo us to believe that one issue like immigration is our issue. When in reality, we know that we are not a monolith and all mm-hmm. these issues impact us. Across the nation, it is known that our Black siblings yeah. um, are dying at the hands of police at the highest rates, right? Sure. But if you adjust for geography in the parts of the U.S. that mm-hmm. are heavily Latinx, particularly Mexican and South American mm-hmm. and Puerto Ricanos, we mm-hmm. are being killed at the highest rates, right? Mm. The L.A. Times found that 67% of the people fatally shot by Los Angeles Police Department since 2018 were Latino, mm-hmm. even though we make up only 49% of the population. Mm-hmm. Police are really the first interaction 
with the justice system and our modern day police departments mm-hmm. trace their roots back to fugitive uh, slave patrols as mm-hmm. well as white supremacist violence in the Southwest and yeah. in California. One of the things that I constantly talk about, especially because I know this through my own family, is that mm-hmm. state sanctioned violence against Latinos began over 150 years ago in this mm-hmm. country when this land known as Texas was seized. Yeah. The Texas Rangers, a branch of law enforcement for those that don't know, mm-hmm. um, perpetuated some of the most worst racial violence in the U.S. against residents of Mexican and indigenous descent. Mm. From the four-year period, could you just imagine from 1915 to 1919, Mm -hmm. the Texas Rangers committed hundreds of acts of violence and murder, including lynchings Mm. and burning entire towns to the ground. You could see this on the internet if you look it up, Mexicans being lynched, right? But the violence was not just in Texas. It was also across the Southwest and in Mm -hmm. California. Right. And so one of the things that I've learned from my elders like Nane Alejandres, who was part of the Chicano movement, is that the civil rights movement sparked a similar moment mm-hmm. in in the uh, to organize in the defense of the rights of Chicanos or mm-hmm. people of Mexican heritage living in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1969, uh, police Denver or, or police in Denver, Colorado, um, had beaten a Chicano high school student who staged mm. a, a walkout in protest of police brutality. Mm. And this kept on going, right? Um, yeah. It's when our Chicano brothers ended up going to the Black Liberation Party and saying, hey, we need your support. And so it's important that not only do we show up for our Black siblings, but we also understand that there have been mm. these type of killings in the Latinx community, and yeah. there also have been solidarity efforts, right? Right. Um, in the last year, after the video of George Floyd being killed went viral, mm-hmm. we know that la- three Latino men, to your point, were killed by police in California. Yeah. Back to back, right? right? Sean Monterosa, mm-hmm. Eric Salgado, Andres yeah. Gallardo. And then yeah. how many more were killed in L.A. County or San Bernardino County? And so mm-hmm. we as a Latinx people, a Latino, Latina people, Chicano people, we need to understand the history of this country and what it's done to mm. its people, particularly of Latinx descent, right? Yeah. We also need to know that police accountability or brutality has 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 happened for centuries mm-hmm. in this country, for decades, and we need to move together. Yeah. Uh, with the killing of the young woman, Vanessa, and the other young, young man, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I will say, you know me, you've known my work, right? Mm-hmm. I've been protesting, I've been marching, we've been putting out demands, we've been fighting for um, for for police accountability, right. um, also, you know, um, not just in New York, but also organizing the Women's March, right? Sure. And what happens is oftentimes we don't support one another, right? Yeah. When yeah. Vanessa uh, happened, knowing that I had been in this field, mm-hmm. a lot of the people that were organizing protests from the Latinx community didn't reach out mm-hmm. to say, hey, Carmen, what's like, could we, could we get on a call? Yeah. And so, you know, we have to break the silos. Mm-hmm. We have to support leaders that have been doing this work and we have to invest in those leaders. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure that as we're investing in those leaders, that there's a plan to also invest in the communities that yeah. are being impacted by police. Yeah, I, I think that's beautifully said. You're hitting on a lot of things. You know what? Now feels like a good time to take a quick break and then uh, we'll be right back. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumucósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, we are back with Carmen Perez. Last thing I want to ask you, though, I know that as an organization, you you believe in nonviolence, right? When it comes to these protests and things like that. But but what do you say to people? I mean, you even have somebody like John Lewis kind of and I'm paraphrasing this quote of you can't appeal to the conscious, you know, the conscience of America because America doesn't have a conscience, you know, and from what we're seeing with this current administration and the promises that have been made and not upheld, um, you know, and you have a lot of people who are are angry, right? And they feel like the only way that we get any sort of attention we get any sort of change is when we scare essentially the white people in this country. Then all of a sudden it's something they're willing to come to the table and have a discussion about. So what do you say to these people who want to go out there and and cause this this havoc because they feel like it's the only way that our voices are, are heard? Well, what I will say to those people is that's really short term, mm. right? That's short lived. I think uh, nonviolence is not passive. Mm. It's actually something. It's a discipline, right? Mm. It's easy to go out there and commit violence. You know, I grew up in Oxnard. Like mm. everything we did was like with a fist, right. you know, I've been, um, I've had to be more disciplined with needing to be nonviolent. And it's not just, uh, nonviolence is not just a tactic, right? Mm. It's an ideology. So it's understanding that within nonviolence, there are organizing techniques, you know, uh, principle number three is attack the forces of evil, not people doing evil. Mm. And what that does, it allows you to develop a strategy that is not about the man. Mm -hmm. You remove the man, the system is still fucked up. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so when we were organizing around Trump, all these white ladies were like, oh, Trump said snatch, snatch the crotch. Right. right, right. Or grab him by the pussy. Right. Yeah. And we're like, Trump isn't he. Yes, he's a problem. Right. But we got to dismantle the system that allows for Trump to exist, sure, right? So sure. that's really what principle number three is. Right. And so for me, nonviolence is an ideology. It's a strategy. It's a mechanism to get to uh, the re to resolving the issue in the community. And so, yes, we could, you know, people could say, you know, I'm all about violence. I don't believe in nonviolence. Mm -hmm. But there is no history. You cannot show me any type of um, uh movement where violence has won, mm -hmm. right? Um, you've seen it in the United Farm Workers where Cesar Chavez used nonviolence and, and it was really through his um, his uh, uh, protest to um, hunger strike, mm -hmm. right? Um, we see that in the prisons, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of our brothers or siblings that are in the prisons um, use hunger strike yeah. um, as a method to to push their demands forward. You know, when we say nonviolence, we're talking about let's develop demands. Let's make sure we articulate those demands. Mm -hmm. And um, and if you don't hear our demands and we're going to show up in large numbers onto the streets and that disrupts the system. Right. Sure. Mr. Belafonte always talks about like you need to disrupt the system. you got to stop what's happening every single day. You know, people not involved in the movement, they ain't trying to be part of traffic. So right. they're mad at the protesters thinking we don't have jobs. Right. That is one of the tactics in the larger strategy in order to achieve our goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I will say, you know, I welcome everybody to the cause. There's a lane for them. Mm -hmm. And there's also an opportunity to learn something outside of violence. Yeah, I, I think that's beautifully said. And, and even just to kind of like put a bow on your point before, it's like 
we can sit here and complain all we want that our community is not getting the attention that it deserves. But also, what are we doing to ensure that we're supporting one another when something does happen? You know, I mean, and, and that comes even with our media, holding our media accountable. Stop just feeding us the nonsense and start giving us, you know, real, real stories and really compelling you know, things that, that we could sink our teeth and that we make us aware of what exactly is going on and that this is, you know, a much larger issue than is being, you know, uh, put out there by the data. And I just want to say thank you for, for your time. I know you're busy, so I'm going to let you get out of here. But um, anything you want to push people to, anything people should be checking out, I mean, if they are inspired to get involved in some of the work that you're doing, any of the causes that are going on out there, like where, what's a good starting point for them? Yes. So I just want to remind all of you, there's a lane for you in the movement. If you're able to donate, make donations, Mm -hmm. if you're able to volunteer, we're always happy to accept volunteers. Follow us at Gather Number 4 Justice or at NY Justice League, as well as go to our website. We are currently hiring right now. So if you are interested in doing this work uh, long term, uh, please look at our website. We have uh, several positions open. And I also want to welcome people. Um, I'm about to uh, start a police accountability network for the Latinx community. I welcome mm. people. If you know how to do research, if you know how to, if you're a journalist that wants to get involved, we're really trying to fill some of these data gaps. Mm. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to mm. talk about what I'm so passionate about. I know we talked a lot about the Latinx community, mm-hmm. but the work that I do is really around building multicultural coalitions Mm -hmm. um, so that we could come together like Voltron and Mm -hmm. shut the machine down. So uh, thank you so much, everybody. And thank you. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Man, big shout out to Carmen for hopping on and just dropping some gems, some information. I hope that was helpful and informative for for some of you. I know for me, I felt like I learned a lot, even more than what I I already knew coming into this. If you want to check out her work, gatheringforjustice.org, donate they're an incredible uh they're an incredible organization doing the work not just talking about it and hopefully I'll, I'll get the opportunity to uh do some work with them in the in the near future that's something i i talked to carmen about off uh off camera so i definitely want to make myself available in any way possible and not just be one of these talking heads but i want to be somebody who's actually doing the work and, and doing his part to help aid our community and with that said man let's kind of wrap everything we talked about today in a neat little bow as we always do in a segment we call conclusion stew time for conclusion stew. all right so man i, I want to keep this kind of short and simple because i think like this was a, a really heavy conversation but obviously always necessary conversation I think that one of the things that stuck out to me the most in talking to Carmen, and and it's a question I've asked a number of people, like, why aren't our voices being heard? Why aren't we gathering in the same way, you know, that we've we've seen the Black Lives Matter protests? And I think it's funny to have somebody like her who literally makes a life of organizing and and standing behind causes for our community, basically saying, like, in in other words, I'm paraphrasing here. She didn't say this literally, but like, well, where the fuck is our community and, and where is their support, essentially, right? Like, like we have to come together and, and acknowledge that this is a problem and stand together and, and stand behind those who are actively doing the work, you know? So donating, you know what I mean? Using your platform, speaking out on all these different things. Like, all of that is a part of it. You know, I, I, think, I think, too, you know, some of the, the, the platforms like The Breakfast Club, you know, obviously where I come from, which is a, a, a black platform, you know, and to their credit, they always do a great job kind of banding behind a lot of these these issues that come up. Obviously, you know, there's there's so many things, you know, going on. But for the most part, you know, when it comes to things that affect the the black community, you know, they are a, a pillar of making sure that information gets out there. that They are outspoken. They are speaking on behalf of. And sadly, I can't really think of one when it comes to the Latin community, you know, and not to say that there aren't people who are trying to do the work and all that. But, you know, when I think of the people with the largest platforms, you know, in the Latin space, I'm not consistently seeing them advocating for things like this. Sure, when election season was coming along, we saw a lot of it, you know, and when tragedies like Hurricane Maria happened or what we saw was happening in Cuba, a lot of the community came out and, and supported. But I'm talking about on a daily consistent basis. That's the one thing. If I keep going back to the Breakfast Club, every single day they're talking about real things that affect our community. You know, the politics didn't stop just because the election stopped, you know, 
the the topics on social justice, the guest experts on social justice didn't stop coming, you know, as soon as Derek Chauvin was convicted for George Floyd's murder, you know, and that's what I mean. It's that consistency, you know, that I would love to see more from our community, you know, and that goes all the way to the top down to to us as as just citizens. You know, I want to see us on a consistent basis supporting these causes that are out there fighting on the front lines for us. You know, I want to see the people in power, the people that have giant platforms consistently speaking out against these things and not just when it's trendy, you know? And I think to me, that's the biggest takeaway is that we just have to do better as a community. The numbers are there if you want to see them, you know, the the stories are there if you want to read about them. Now we have to take action and make sure that our voices are, are being heard and we have to unify together regardless of our different backgrounds and and different causes that we're fighting for. I mean, this is literally something that is affecting all of us, black and brown, in this country. And we all need to do our part to to combat this and support those who are actively doing the work to combat this. So once again, gatheringforjustice.org, you can donate. Literally, there's a giant donate button on uh, on the page of the site, front page of the site when you go there. And it doesn't have to be crazy amounts of money. You donate what you can. Every little bit adds up. If you know, 100,000 of us each donate a dollar, that's $100,000. You know, all that shit adds up. It's all important and it's a good and easy way to get involved in trying to make things right in this country for our community. And with that said, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Thank you for bearing with me. I'm still not 100%, but we're here. I want to make sure we're back on schedule this week. Um, I'm going to go take a nap because this took a little bit out of me. Um, I'm a little short of breath of talking this much. I'm not used to talking this much since I got better, but we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode, our Thursday trends, of course. Oh, and just a reminder, uh, mindofayounglord.com, young spelled Y-U-N-G, mindofayounglord.com. You can pick up your gringo hats. I have a few left. Shout out to everybody that's been picking them up so far. I appreciate all the love and support. You can also pick up a pin from your native country to put it on there and customize it. Of course, I got the Puerto Rican flag on mine. And uh, I'm doing speaking engagements. I have one on Thursday. So if you want to book me for speaking engagements, it's something I'm prioritizing this year. So colleges, high schools, jobs, anywhere. I'm speaking, I think, with a software company. Uh, their Latin division uh, on Thursday. So I'm really, really excited about that. So that's definitely the goal for, for 2022. Do more of those types of things, be able to touch people beyond just the podcast, but also come to where you're at and have these important conversations. And that's it. Appreciate y'all. At DJ Dramas on Instagram, you're going to be part of the Ask a Gringo segment for Thursday's show. And I'll catch y'all on Thursday. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumucósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.